I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Welcome back to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. It's great to be with you today. I am Boyd Matheson, and we've been talking a lot about uh, the challenges uh, in our nation's capital. And it might surprise you to know that there actually have been congressional hearings about uh, how do we get past all of the partisanship, the heated debate, the incivility. And there was actually a hearing on Capitol Hill uh, in Washington, D.C. yesterday uh, where our good friend uh, Yuval Levin uh, actually testified. Uh, If you're not familiar with uh, Yuval Levin, uh, he is an extraordinary thing. He's one of my favorite thinkers in Washington, D.C. He's the director of social, cultural, and constitutional studies at AEI. Uh, Incredible writer. Uh, If you haven't uh, read his book, A Time to Build, uh, from family and community to Congress and the campus, how recommitting to our institutions can revive the American dream. It is a great read. Uh, we're going to talk about our book club coming up here uh, in the second hour today, so stick around for that. Uh, but you've all testified before this committee. Again, this was a congressional committee meeting. It's called the, uh, it's in the House. It's the Modernization of Congress Committee. And they held a hearing yesterday in an effort to foster bipartisanship and civility in the legislative branch, uh, something we, in our last segment we, we know has been missing, but maybe there's a chance. We're saying there's a chance today. And so I want to start with uh, what Yuval Levin said to these members of Congress. Remember, he is talking to members of Congress in a House committee meeting. And I want to start where he finished uh, because he urged Congress to rethink the purpose of Congress. Take a listen. Finally, I would I would urge you to think explicitly about how you understand the purpose of the Congress. Uh, reforms of the institution, including reforms focused on improving its culture, have to take for granted some idea of the purpose of Congress's work. Simply put, I would say reformers have to ask yourselves whether the purpose of the Congress is maybe like the purpose of a European parliament to enable the majority party to achieve its objectives while it's in office until the public throws it out, or whether the purpose of the Congress is to enable or even compel accommodation across lines of difference in American society, to bring people together across difference. I think that is such an important thing to rethink in terms of Congress. What is the purpose? Is the purpose of Congress, as Yuval Levin said, is it the purpose of the Congress to get whatever the majority party, whatever their agenda is, whatever the wing of their party who's in charge is, uh, is it is it getting that agenda passed or is it more than that? Uh, one of the things that always drove me crazy was to hear, you know, we got to get stuff done. We got to get stuff done on our agenda. Uh, no, that's not the purpose uh, of Congress. And if we want to change the culture and the climate and the temperament of Congress, we have to have a really clear understanding of what is it? What is the purpose and what are the outcomes uh, that we should be going after? Now, I want to dig in a little deeper here with uh, Yuval. Again, this is his testimony before uh, the House uh, Committee on the Modernization of Congress. 
And he talked about some things that Congress should keep in mind when it thinks about, hey, if we really do want to reform and improve Congress, here's where we got to start. I would start by saying that it's important to remember that prescription is not diagnosis in reverse when we think about how to fix institutions. There are reasons why Congress is the way it is, good and bad, but those reasons don't offer us a map for improving things. You can't go backwards and try to play that movie in reverse and think you'll solve problems. So that understanding how we got here can help us to understand some of the constraints that reformers face in trying to fix things, but doesn't offer us a map of where to go next. So it is important to understand, and this is where I think we've we've struggled the most, is that we have too many members of Congress who see belonging to Congress as a platform for their personal agenda, their political agenda, their political fundraising, their their personal fundraising, so to speak, in their reelection, as opposed to being committed to the institution. And so we have to, to figure that out. You've all then went on uh, and talked about what kind of incentive, incentives need to be in place if we're going to change this toxic culture in Congress uh, and move it to something better. Third, I would really urge you to focus on incentives when thinking about the culture. Members of this institution behave the way you do for reasons, for serious reasons. You are all intelligent men and women, ambitious men and women, and you're trying to succeed and to achieve something for your constituents and for your country. And so when culture breaks down, there are reasons that have to do with incentives, with the kinds of pressures you face. And if we want to think about how to change the culture, it's important to think about how to change incentives. Uh, I can't tell you how many organizations, not just politics, I'm talking about businesses now and other organizations, uh, there are reasons cultures break down in organizations. And you have to understand what is being valued, what is being rewarded, what are the what? Where's the common vision? Where's the common accountability? Where's the common transparency? Those are all things that, if they start to evaporate or collapse or crumble within an organization or institution, the culture, the culture of trust in that institution, is going to begin to deteriorate, and then everything else uh, crumbles underneath that. Uh, I want to hit one more thing from you all, Levin, in terms of changing that uh, culture and how we change that kind of work. Fourth, and related to that, I would say that reforming the culture of Congress requires reforming the work of Congress. It is worth thinking about things like uh, how to encourage members to spend more time together, how to encourage members to take retreats together or have dinner together. That matters. But I would say that ultimately what matters more is the work of the institution. The culture will change if the work encourages a different kind of culture. And just spending time together is not really a way to get at the core of the culture of the institution. You have to think about how Congress works and therefore how its members work. Uh, I I cannot tell you how important that is. Uh, You can have all the retreats in the world. You can have all the seminars in the world. You can do all the trust falls in the world. Uh, You can have motivational speakers come in and talk forever and ever, and the culture won't change until the focus of the work of the institution changes. And that's part of what we have to do with Congress. It's part of what we have to do in our businesses and organizations. It's part of what we need to do in our communities is to understand it's the work. And when the work is focused and when people understand what the work is, what needs to be done and who's going to be held accountable for what? So the clarity, transparency, that mutual commitment to outcomes, not activities, not motion, forward movement, 
uh, outcomes is what we have to get to. And that's where Congress, I think, has really struggled. And all the retreats in the world, you can have Democrats and Republicans go on a cruise around the world and it's not going to change. You can do trust falls and all kinds of motivational things and retreat till the cows come home and the culture won't change until the focus on the work changes and everyone commits to the outcomes and holding each other responsible for what those outcomes might be. All right, finally, uh, real quickly, I want to get uh, one last word in from Yuval where he talks about the work and recognizing that individual members have power to do the work, not just the politics. I, I would urge you to think, as this committee has, in very constructive ways, about ways of re-empowering the committees of the House, the committees of the Congress. Um, that's important both for advancing the work of the institution, but also for allowing members to see how they can matter, even if they don't happen to be the speaker or the majority leader uh, or even a committee chair. Uh, and allowing members to see how their time is spent in ways that translate into meaningful work. They can show their constituents uh, and, and they can point to in explaining how they're improving the country. Committees are enormously important in that way. And I would distinguish strengthening the committees from strengthening individual members. So it's strengthening committees. It's strengthening uh, the institution not just the political power of the individual members. We're going to come back to this next week. You all, Levin's going to join us uh, next week to further break this down. This is an important part of the conversation, uh, and we're going to keep having it here on Inside Sources. We're going to step aside for bottom of the hour news. Many of you are wringing your hands with the jazz. Alex Keery is going to join us. We're going to talk about the art and science of the last stand. Coming up next, stay with us on KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.